0: John 15, beginning at verse 18. This is God's holy and infallible word, and Jesus is continuing to speak uh, to his disciples here. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me, "'hates my Father as well. "'If I had not done among them what no one else did, "'they would not be guilty of sin. "'But now they have seen these miracles, "'and yet they have hated both me and my Father. "'But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. "'They hated me without reason. "'When the Counselor comes, "'whom I will send to you from the Father, "'the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father,' He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. That ends our reading. Tonight, we're going to continue on in verse 5 through 16 and talk about how God works for our good, even in our grief. But this morning, these verses that we read. People of God may have noticed that Iraq is in the news again. Lots of trouble, and it it brings back all the complications of, uh, of the war and our involvement there. I think, was it back in 2003 that we entered the nation, the discussions, the disagreements? One of the things we were told back then before heading in is that the USA would be welcomed with arms wide open. We'd be greeted as liberators. After all, we were going to bring Iraq democracy. In fact, through our invasion of Iraq, democracy might even spread to other countries in the Middle East, and, and the world would be a better place. It didn't quite turn out that way. For the most part, we weren't welcomed as liberators. And why Why was that? Well, that, that gets to some very complicated and thorny issues, but... Some of it, at least, it seems like the people were so entrenched in the type of government and political systems that they had been used to for generations, dictatorships, authoritarian regimes, they couldn't even appreciate the healthier alternative. They had never really experienced democracy, they they couldn't embrace the idea, and I think this was a bit surprising to us as a nation, a bit surprising uh, to our leaders But but it happens more often, it's actually quite common, that an amazing gift, something great is unexpectedly rejected by people. When Jonas Henway first introduced the umbrella in England and, and walked down the street with one for the first time, he was pelted with dirt and stones. People thought he was loony. When airplanes first came on the scene, some scoffed at the idea and said, if God had intended man to fly, he would have created him with wings. Well, it turns out airplanes have been pretty helpful. The ancient Greek philosopher Socrates was always calling on people to examine themselves and to think deeply and to try to improve themselves. And for that, he was hated despised, and he was eventually killed by the people around him. 75 years ago at the New York World State Fair, the public glimpsed uh, a relatively new unknown technology. It was called television, and most people didn't know what to make of it. The New York Times, in reporting on it, yawned and said, the problem with television is that people must sit and keep their eyes glued on a screen. Well, The average American family just is not going to have time for that. Well, Jesus is predicting in our text a surprising reaction to what he brings. We've been studying John together, the verses, the chapters before. He's been preparing his disciples for the fact that he would go to the cross, rise again, then ascend and and leave them. He promises us and them the Holy Spirit, this great gift, and then Jesus talks about how he is the true vine, and how his disciples are called to remain in him and will bear much fruit, how that fruit will last, and how we take up the family business to which our Father calls us, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Jesus tells us of some amazing gifts of God, and, and we're given a mission. And we're reminded of that in our text down in verse 27, when Jesus says, you also must testify. He reminds them, you're my witnesses. We see all that Jesus brings, and we think, The world is just going to love this. And the world is going to be so excited about it. Jesus, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Jesus has been telling us about the best thing ever. How people can have the best life possible now and have life forever in heaven one day. Jesus is telling his disciples who he's sending out Understand, my friends, it might not be like you'd expect as you go out. You're not going to be embraced as liberators. There's a battle ahead. The world won't like it. They won't get it. They won't understand it. They won't want it. Even though you're offering the greatest thing the world needs, the best gift ever salvation, don't be surprised if it's rejected. Even if you have the answer and they need it so much and it would bring them so much joy. And the hostility will be there because everything Jesus gives us is antithetical to Satan's regime, which is what people are used to. And they won't all get it. And they've never experienced anything else but Satan's oppression. Jesus offers this this luscious Fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and as silly as it sounds to us, it's like if you've got people who have only eaten bugs their whole life and never seen a fruit and don't know what it is, they'd rather keep eating those bugs than bite into a juicy peach. Jesus says, don't be surprised about all of this. After all, the world had me, the greatest gift of all, and it crucified me. We've got to understand when John uses the word world here, the Bible is not talking about every single person in the world. It's not talking about planet Earth, but it's talking about world in terms of those who are in oppression against God, in rebellion against God. He's talking about the powers of darkness. It's referring those who don't know God and who reject Jesus. And Jesus is saying the powers of darkness will hate you. They hated me. They hate my Father. They'll hate you. They will persecute you, says verse 20. And in verse 2, Jesus says, they will kill you. That's why I, I preface this by saying this is sobering. This is serious stuff. Jesus promises all these blessings, the Spirit, the fruit, salvation, eternal life, all the rest, But the life of a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it will also involve great hostility. The word hate or hatred is used seven times here in our verses. And we can trace that hatred throughout history. It started in verse 2, chapter 16, being put out of the synagogue. The synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, that's where throughout the Roman Empire, the apostles started preaching in each city. They went to because the Jews believed in the God of the Bible. The persecution would start in those early years after Jesus' ascension by the apostles going in those synagogues but being put out, thrown out of the synagogue. It would eventually include killing by the Jewish authorities and then later killing by the Roman authorities. Under Decius and Diocletian, it was the policy of the Roman Empire to kill Christians. In the Middle Ages, there was much persecution of Christians. There was tremendous persecution of Christians in the French Revolution as attempts were made to specifically de-Christianize the nation. We can talk about persecution of Christians by the Ottoman Empire in the late 1800s, the Soviet Union in the early 20th century. I don't know if you knew it, we went to Mexico, but in the 1920s and 1930s, there was intense persecution in Mexico by the, the secular government. They, they just wiped out, the, the, it was the Catholic Church, and just wiped out hundreds of priests. By the end of about 10 years, there was only a couple dozen priests left. There were thousands. Think of the persecution by Nazi Germany. And, and despite what we hear in the news about discrimination, Christians are the most persecuted group in our world today. Uh, The Vatican reports that 100,000 Christians are killed for their faith every year. According to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians today are denied fundamental human rights solely because of their faith. Most of that happens in Muslim-dominated nations. You've heard of of Miriam Ibrahim, I think, in the news, a Sudanese Christian woman sentenced to death for being a Christian. Freed last week, then detained again, then freed again, hopefully for good. Free under uh, the pressure of the international community, but her situation is still very uncertain. Jesus was right to warn his disciples of what is to come. He was absolutely right. and I think sometimes Christians act surprised when the world shows hostility to the people of God. I've heard Christian leaders say the world doesn't like the church because people in the church don't always walk the talk, because we don't always practice what we preach. And I, this, he said, if only we were more like Jesus as a people. Think about that once. Jesus was killed by the world, folks. Jesus practiced what he preached. Jesus was always loving. He turned the other cheek and all the rest. And how did the world respond? They crucified him for it. What what are we expecting? Are we expecting the world to embrace us and love us as a church? As we live like Christ, we are to expect what Jesus tells us here. Hostility and hatred is inevitable because there is an inherent difference between the children of God and those who belong to this world. We are not of this world. Jesus says we've been chosen out of the world and the world hates us for that. Their ears are closed to the good news. They want to stay where they are. However, says Jesus, I'm sending you... Helper. It says here, counselor. We talked about that a few sermons ago. Another way to to describe that, which I think is, is even better, is helper, capital H. Talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not all doom and gloom. True, this is serious stuff. It's enough to sober us up a bit as to the cost of discipleship and warn us as to what we might expect. Even if right now the hostility isn't quite so harsh in our society, which was built on Christian values and, and still largely influenced by those values, Jesus says, I'm giving you help, and, and he reminds the disciples of the Holy Spirit who would come. Don't be discouraged, persevere in the Spirit. I accomplished my salvation to send you this helper. I give you my spirit. My power, my divine help. And He won't let us go astray. He'll keep us on track. He won't let you go. Nothing and no one can snatch us out of Jesus' hands, no matter what may come. And the Spirit propels our witness and our testimony in this world as Jesus encourages us to be His witnesses in the hostile world. In verse 27, You see, those whom God has chosen, thinking about our witness, those whom God has chosen will get it. They will be pulled out of the power of darkness. The church will make progress and the kingdom of God will advance. The world will go to the ends of the earth and the growth of the church has been unbelievable over the centuries. Not everyone will accept there will remain the dividing line. People will reject the good news and want nothing to do with God. And they'll hate him, they'll hate us, but many seeds planted will bear fruit. God will gather his people. Have your eyes wide open, be prepared but don't be discouraged. Don't go down in defeat in the face of the hatred because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Despite how the world will react to us as Jesus' followers, we remember what John says in chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son. And in the face of, of the hatred that Jesus is talking about, the hostility we feel, our natural tendency might be to respond in kind. And sometimes it seems like Christians and churches, are, are, we can speak and we can witness out of a kind of harshness. It's almost like a returning of the hatred that we're feeling. But, but remember, God loved the world. And Jesus says, love one another It's that love of God in Jesus and in us through the Spirit that we continually bring and share with the world, even in the face of the hostility. It's this love that we brought to all those kids at Vacation Bible School. It's this love that we brought to Mexico through our students and do in so many other ways as a church. It's this love that we give in our actions, in our words, to anyone who comes to this place. It's out of the love of God for sinners that we exist and do everything that we do as God's people. And we can be assured that love, God's love, will ultimately win. His cause will prevail. He'll gather every one of his lost sheep. So so God's word speaks to you and me, Jesus' followers, this morning and says, Don't be surprised by the world's hatred and hostility. Be prepared. But he also says, I'm giving you help, the Holy Spirit. He'll keep you. It's going to be okay. And he'll propel us forward in God's mission. He'll bring his success as we love, as we witness, God will not fail. The harvest will come. In Jesus, we're on the winning side. Those God wants, he will get. And he'll use you and me to reach them. And they'll join us in the kingdom of God. May God give us his divine help as we move forward in the mission, in the witness of Jesus and his love as we testify. We're saying goodbye to Bryce and Aaron this morning. We'll be asking the Lord to be near Bryce and Aaron as they move to a different ministry in Holland, Michigan. And as the Spirit blessed Bryce's ministry here at Faith and there was fruit, we're confident that there will be fruit at his new church in Holland too. And there will continue to be fruit here at Faith. In our missions, of, in our youth ministries especially, but in all our worship, in all our work, in all our ministry. For God's glory. Amen.